turning your Bibles with me to 2 Kings chapter 19. 2 Kings chapter 19. We're going to be beginning in uh, verse 1, um, which is a little bit different. Uh, we see that there's troubling times in uh, Judah. Uh, if you'll remember with me, we, we started the reforms of Hezekiah. Um, after the northern tribes have been taken away by Assyria. And now we see that Assyria has come down and they are besieging Judah the same way. And so um, I want to start with actually 2 Kings 18. 2 Kings 18, uh, and we'll start in verse 28 because I want to bring you back into where we're at by way of review of what is going on because uh, the king of Assyria has sent down three of his chief men to speak to Hezekiah. Um, let me see, where are we at? Where was I going at? 28, 1828. You guys there with me? Then the Rabshakeh, and now Rabshakeh is, he's a chief butler, chief cupbearer, or he is just a Babylonian um, official. Uh, he's one of the leaders, the spokesman for the king of Assyria, who has taken over everything. King of Assyria is just conquering everybody at this time and just completely conquered the northern tribes, of course, that we call Israel. Now, we're going to see Israel used in this text, and it's not referring to the northern tribes at this time. So, see, that can be a little bit confusing sometimes if you're not up on what you're looking at in the Bible. So then the Rabshakeh stood and called out with a loud voice in Hebrew, the Hebrew language that the people spoke, the common language, and spoke, saying, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. King Hezekiah is telling them that they're okay, uh, for he shall not be able to deliver you from his hand. Nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria, which is what the message is and what the message should be. And, you know, as the world, as the enemy comes to attack, as the one world government rises, you guys should know that you can continue to trust God and listen to God. He's sovereign over the affairs of men. But the enemy is going to keep telling you that you have to trust the government. You have to trust in the world. You have to trust in their experts. You have to listen to their, their polls and their experts and their science, which we can clearly see if we have the Spirit of God that they're lying to us. So you don't want to listen to the representatives uh, of the king of Assyria or the Antichrist. <laughs> which you see there, he sent three, which would be your unholy trinity uh, that are coming to speak to you. They're going to have it all sewn up, and they're going to begin to speak to you, and you're going to be like, oh, okay, that's what we're supposed to do. No, you, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. You need now today to begin to have a, a, an articulation in your heart 
to cry out to God and say, Lord, I want to hear your voice. I want to know you and I want you to know me. I don't just want to say I know God like the church says today that's apostate, but I want God to know me and I want it to be apparent in my life because of the witness, because of the works that I do. And if you want to know about that, come on Sunday because Jesus says the biggest witness is the works that he does. That's what witnesses and testifies of who he is. He's, he's raising the dead. He's healing the blind. He's doing what the Messiah of God came to do. So come Sunday and you'll see that. And actually what we put our hands to, what we're occupied with, what we do as works for God, his workmanship reveals whether it's of the spirit or of the flesh. And it gives us evidence of who we're really serving. So we need to know that now. We don't want to wait to that day and go, wow, I was just playing religion. I was just making myself feel good in my emotions. You want to know that the Spirit of God is leading you. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. So the enemy is going to lie to you. Now Hezekiah means uh, Jehovah is my strength or strengthened by God. And, and he says, don't let Hezekiah de uh, uh, deceive you. That's what the enemy says. Don't let the king deceive you. King Jesus is not going to deceive you. He cannot lie. And that's a type of that. He's the one speaking to us through his word. And we're hearing him. And he's told us not to have a conversation with the enemy. See, that's the problem. What happened with original sin? Eve had a conversation with the enemy. She allowed somebody to say something to her that would doubt the word of God, that would change the word of God, instead of just listening to her covering her husband Adam and following the word of God, she allowed doubt to creep in. Did God really say? And she entertained that thought. Listen to me. This is 66 books by 40 authors. This is the word of God. God did really say. He said, you do it my way or you end up in hell. And he's not, it's not mean, it's because he loves you. But whether you want to pursue him or not and surrender to him or not is up to your free will. It's a choice that you make. And all you have to do is believe that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. But if you really believe that in your heart, your life will change. And if your life hasn't changed, then you didn't really believe it. And you need to go back and say, Lord, why? Why have I not changed a bit? Because the Spirit of God, where the Spirit is, there's life, not death. Doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect, but we're being perfected. It's a very important thing that we all need to remember and to be careful with. So the enemy tells us not to trust in Hezekiah. Don't trust in the Lord. Because Hezekiah is telling them what? The Lord will surely deliver us. This city shall be not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. 31. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria. Notice that. Thus says the government. Just thus says the enemy. Listen. Thus says the enemy. Make peace with me by a present and come out to me. And every one of you will eat from his own vine. And every one of you from his own fig tree. Everyone will drink the waters of his own cistern. Listen, I don't want to eat from my vine. I don't want to eat from my tree. I don't want to drink from my own cistern. I want what the Lord has to provide. I want his provision. The enemy wants you to do your own thing in self. What you've created in your own strength. 32. 
There, oh, there's a time, there's a condition until, until the enemy comes to take you away. Because you've listened to a lie, so the enemy's coming to take you away. Until I come to take you away to a land like your own, a land of grain and new wine. See, the enemy's offering you some stuff almost like God would offer. A land of milk and honey. Here's some land of grain and new wine. A land of bread and vineyards. A land of olive groves and honey that you may live and not die. Listen, if you listen to the enemy, you're not going to live. You're going to die. Guarantee it. It's a lie. It's upside down. But do not listen to Hezekiah, lest he persuade you, saying, the Lord will deliver us. Listen, if somebody's witnessing to you and somebody's telling you and you believe that the Lord will deliver you, keep on believing that no matter what you see. This is a faith thing. By faith, we know the Lord will save us. The Lord's going to deliver us even when things hurt. Even when we get the message wrong, even whatever's going on, we know that Christ died for us. We're forgiven, and he's coming to get us. And it doesn't matter what the enemy says to us. We know what God said, and he keeps his promises. Has any of the gods, now listen, he's going to give testimony to make you doubt the word of God. Has any of the gods of the nations at all delivered its land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvi and, and Hina and Iva? Indeed, have they delivered Samaria from my hand? That's the northern tribes he's talking about, which was God's people, but they were apostate. They were worshiping golden calves. They weren't listening to the word of God. So it could be like somebody saying, well, did he save that church? Did he save those people that said they were Christians? Listen, don't listen to the testimony of the liar. Who among all the gods of the lands have delivered their countries from my hand that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem teaching peace from my hand, from my power. Listen, you have to get, that's why we're going to do all of 19 because you have to get to God's explanation that he gives to, through the word of God that comes through Isaiah the prophet in order to understand what is going on. It's God that raises up adversity. It's God that allows us to go through trouble. It's God that allows the enemy to attack, to test and try our heart so that we will run into the house of God and we'll go to God in prayer and learn to trust him. No matter what we see, no matter what pain, we still can trust God because it's our spirit that's being saved. Our body's being sanctified. It's supposed to be obeying. We beat it into subjection, but we get a new body when the trumpet sounds in a twinkling of an eye. Listen to me. We're being sanctified spirit, soul, and body, but it's a new body you get. This body is going to be cast aside. We get a new one as we rise into the heavenlies. But the people, listen to what happened here. Where am I at? Verse 36. But the people, 36. Uh, don't, don't miss 36. If you miss 36, you've missed a whole bunch about the gospel. But the people held their peace. <coughs> Hang on to your peace. It's Jesus. And answered him not a word. Why? For the king's commandment was do not answer him. Listen. Listen. Don't get in a conversation with the enemy. Learn the voice of truth. Learn what God has said to you. Learn your identity. Learn to walk by faith. And don't be stumbled by a liar teaching you something that's not true. Now, it sounds powerful. 
the testimony of the king of Assyria, the testimony of Rabshakeh, this, this chief butler, this Babylonian official. Well, Babylon, listen, where's Babel? That's what it's called, confusion. It's Babel. It's confusion. Where does confusion come from? The enemy, the devil. And he wants to confuse them, but they've already got the king's instruction. Don't answer him. Don't get in a conversation with him. Don't even listen. 37, then Elikim and the son Hilkiah, who was over the household of Hezekiah, Shibna the scribe and Joah the son of Asaph, and the recorder came to Hezekiah. They're on the wall. They were listening. Remember, they told Rabshakeh, don't speak to him in Hebrew. Speak to him in Assyrian because we understand your word. And he says, they come to him with their clothes torn and told Hezekiah the words of Rabshakeh. Listen, they heard the message and they took it back to the king. Listen, when the enemy attacks you, go to the throne. Someone has said when the devil knocks on the door, let Jesus open the door. Don't open the door yourself. Let God open the door. Let his word open the door. Meet everything with the wisdom of God. So what do they do? They go right back to the king. Because the king's name means the Lord is my strength. Yah is my strength. So where do you go when the enemy attacks? When the enemy says, we're going to destroy you. God can't deliver you. What do you do? You go back to the Lord being your strength. You remember that. And you say, what did the Lord say? The Lord said, I'm overwhelmingly more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. The Lord said, he will complete the work he started in me until the day of Christ Jesus. The Lord said, if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, I shall be saved. So those are truths that you hang on to and you don't get in a conversation with the lie, even though it looks, looks, it looks powerful. Man, here comes this king with all of his armies. We're going to know that he had at least 185,000 men because one angel goes out in one night and kills 185,000 at the end of this battle. So we know he at least had that many men. That would look powerful. You're looking out across the wall of the city. You see all of these soldiers. You hear them saying, we're going to kill you. Don't listen to the king. Don't listen to these people. Don't listen. The Lord can't save you. Man, it looks like a giant in the valley. It looks like Goliath. But we know that one man, David, a type of Christ, with the sword of the Spirit, the word of God, went down into that valley. He didn't obey Saul or the Philistines. He didn't even pay attention to them. He looked at the enemy and he said, how dare you come and reproach the armies of the living God. See, it's all about God and his testimony. He's going to protect us because he's protecting his own testimony. None will be lost except for the son of perdition. You can trust God. You don't have to listen to the liar. But they tore their clothes because they knew that the nation was in sin. They've seen that the northern tribes have already been chastised by God and carried away by Assyria for their rebellion, for their apostasy, for their ignoring the word of God and ignoring God. They were serving golden calves. So they say, we are a nation. We know we have sin. Listen, if you're a person, you know you're a sinner. I was at a customer's house today, and they had a book that said, I'm a sinner, and here's my excuses. I know I'm a sinner, and here's my excuses. I said, that's not the question. The question is, who will save me, wretched man that I am? She didn't like me very much. She said, you probably get in trouble. You talk to other customers like that. I said, that's not the question. The Bible.
Bible already confines us all as sin. There's none righteous. No, not one. We don't need books on that. We need to read the Bible to know how to save us from this wretched man that I am. If you're a Christian, you know you're a sinner. You don't need nobody to tell you that. You woke up and looked in the mirror. You got up. And you know you need a Savior. Listen, I'm just saying. We write books on some really crazy stuff. The church knows they're sinners. That's why they came and got a Savior and said, Hey, Jesus died for me. We don't need books on that. We don't need books on anything. We just we're read the sinners, Bible. But yet we're saints. Uh-huh. Well, we carry uh-huh. this body of sin around with us. And if you yeah. choose to follow this flesh, then you are living like you're dead. Uh-huh. And so we should be walking in the spirit. Yeah. But most of us will listen to this enemy accuse God and, and say that God can't save and his arm's not outstretched to save. And we will fall for the enemy and we'll follow him right headlong into their pharmacy and their and their and their gay marriage and all of their lies. We'll follow him right into their newscast and their reports instead of listening to the word of God, the voice of truth. So they tore their clothes. Because it's a sign of repentance and humility in the sight of God. And we're going to see that they put on sackcloth and ashes. And the sackcloth is like burlap and it afflicts you and makes you itch. And you remember that you're a sinner. You see that you're a sinner before God. And you humble yourself in his sight so that he can lift you up. Watch what happens. Now let's go into, I just wanted to get you to the place where you see that he's saying, you can't be delivered. I'm going to take the city the same way I took the northern tribes. And think about it. If you're the southern tribe, Judah and Jerusalem, listen, and you're one tribe, maybe a little bit of Benjamin, and they just conquered 10 tribes and a little bit of Benjamin who had way many more men. Think about it for a moment. But they weren't listening to the king. See, these people are listening to the king who says, God is my strength. I'm bringing the reforms. What did he do in in 18? He tore down the high places. He cut down and broke down the sacred pillars. He got rid of the wooden images in 18, 18, 18.4. Listen, he he tore up and crushed the bronze serpent that they were, the, the false idol that they were worshiping. It would do well if we did that in the church today. I know. Most people would go, he's teaching a new gospel. That's blasphemy. But I think we should take down the crosses. I think we should get rid of our crucifixes. That's the kin to worshiping the bronze serpent. We're supposed to be worshiping the Father in spirit and truth. Not crosses. not, Not images. We're supposed to be allowing the Spirit to lead us into all truth as we worship the Father who Jesus has delivered us back to into the family of God. And yet we piously walk around with crosses and costume jewelry and we go to church and we say, I'm saved. And we have no idea what the Bible says. We have no idea what the voice of God sounds like. We have no idea what he's saying to us even though he recorded it and men have died to get us this book. And we walk around and go, I'm okay. Why? Because you have a sandwich? Why? Because you have a job? Why are you okay? How can you be okay if you're not building a love relationship with the God who died for us? That's the only way we can be okay. 
The other way is we're just listening to the voice of the enemy, the liar. And we continue to follow in apostasy and hand it back to our children. And so it was, 19.1, and actually King James says, and it came to pass, which I love that. It's twice in this text. It says it in 19.35, and it came to pass. But I like that because, see, listen, everything that's going on is going to pass. The question is, are you going to be with God as it passes, or are you going to be lost when it passes? This is all getting ready to pass away. This is all getting ready to go. All, this season's going to be gone, and the Antichrist is coming. And this is more real today than it ever was as you look at the landscape of the planet. Because the same way that this, that this king, I think his name is Sargon, but I don't remember, the king of Assyria is besieging this city of Judah, this little bitty tiny city. The Antichrist is besieging the whole world right now in the same way. You just can't see it because it's so big. That's why you've got to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. You've got to learn his voice. They have actually totally took over the seeds that we plant with, the, the fertilizer that we put on our plants. They've taken over all the markets, all the, the, all the money, all the economy. They're getting ready to bring in electronic currency so that if you don't obey the government, they will shut your currency down. They're putting chips in all the vehicles so if you don't obey the government, they shut your vehicle down. Listen to me. This is not a joke. This is not a joke. They're controlling all the food lines. Everywhere you go, every place you go, listen to me, I just want you to see to tell how absurd this is. I talk to people that go, yeah, I, I need to get a job and I can't find one. I apply for some places. I'm like, what? There's help wanted signs on every single business in the United States right now. Everybody is hiring. Everybody's up in their wages. Well, what happened? Oh, well, the government lied to everybody. The government gave everybody money. And the government forces this minimum wage of $15 just by doing that. Now you got to give them $15 to get them in the door. And then you get somebody that doesn't want to work because they've made them lazy by leaving them at home. They don't have a desire to work. And it ought not to be in the Christian church. It ought not to be in the people that live for God. Because the people that live for God, they, they work because God told them to work for six days and then rest on one. And that's not talking about working our way into salvation. There's a difference in works. And we're going to be rewarded for our works. We need to wake up to what God says and stop following what the world that's already the sway of the wicked one says. So, it came to pass, and it's getting ready to come to pass, people. Listen to me. Wake up and ask God to break through your hard heart so you can hear his voice. When King Hezekiah heard it, what did he hear? He heard this message from his men that came back that were representing him. He, he, they came back and with their clothes torn. What did he do? He tore his clothes. You know, when Jesus came down, what did he do? He became acquainted with our grief. He seen that we were torn from the family of God, and he came down, and he went through everything that we were going through. He became our kinsman redeemer, and he tore his clothes. He became just like us. The king, the king of kings, became just like us. He who knew no sin 
became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He became like us. The enemy was confronting us. We seen no way out. We had to go to the king. And the king became like us so he could set us free. What does the king do? He, he tore his clothes and he covered himself with sackcloth, burlap, which is a humbling yourself. What did Jesus do? He humbled himself and became like a servant. He didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Then he went into the house of the Lord. And when he went into the house of the Lord, he made a whip. And he started cleansing the house of the Lord. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm in the wrong place. Where do you go when the enemy attacks? Here's the enemy. He's besieging the city. He's lying to them. And where do you go when you hear the news that the enemy's coming? Where do you run to? Do you call your family? Do you call your dad? Do you call your brother? We should run to or do the you Lord. run to the Lord? Where's it at now? The temple. He goes into the, the temple. He goes into the house of the Lord. Now, now listen to me. He goes into the area that he's allowed to go in. He's obeying. He can't go into the Holy of Holies. He can't go into the holy place. He's not a priest. He can go into the regular courts. What's that? It's where the bronze labor is. It's where the wash pots are. It's where the things are that clean you up. What's he going in for? He's going in to humble himself, to repent for the nation. Why would you come to the house of the Lord? Listen, see, we come to the house of the Lord for some crazy reasons. I come to church because it feels good. I want to feel good. I want to go home and feel good. Listen, we're, we come to learn about God, to be equipped to do the work of God, to live for God. Why did he save us? Why would he give his blood? Why would he die for us? We come to the house of God so that we can be washed and cleansed and equipped to walk out what he's called us to do as witnesses to a dead and dying world, to our neighbors, to souls around us. Keep watching this. These people are not concerned with themselves. They're concerned with other people. And that's what the church should be. Jesus came for others. He, he had everything already. I mean, you, you see it in the text. It says, uh, uh, when Christ arose, it says, uh, go therefore. All authority has been given to me. He had all authority before he became a man. He was God. Think about that for long and hard. He didn't gain anything. The only way he's going to gain anything is in that bride that hears his voice and says, I will, and, and, and agrees, and is married to him, and then allows his spirit to lead him and conform him into his image for his glory. Man, what, what an amazing thing when the people of God are living for God, listening to the spirit of God, and you go out walking with God and they can see there's something different about you because you know God. There's a dynamic. It, 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 it's the dunamis power that comes through the spirit. There's a dynamic in your life because you know who you're serving. You know your identity. You know what you've been called to do. And you're not just saying, I'm a Christian. So where do you go? Listen to me. Where do you go when the enemy attacks? 
don't miss, don't miss that everybody in Judah deserved to die. All have been confined under sin. King Hezekiah and all of them deserved to die. So you can think, whoa, all the northern tribes just got taken away by Assyria. Here they come after us. God's allowing them to come and get us. What should we do? We go to God because we know he's a merciful and gracious God who loves us. And if we know the word, we know that he's promised David that there will be a king upon his throne forever. We know that he's coming out of Judah. If we read the scriptures, they know this. Listen to me. Do you see any? Listen, I, don't look and go, oh, I see. Where's our leaders going today? When, when the world is being besieged, when the enemy is attacking, when crime is crazy, when, 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 when the prices are going up and you can't afford a, a, a glass of water, where's our, in it, where, where's our government going? Are they on their knees repenting to God? Are they in the temple of God? No, they go, our experts are saying that this should only last two. And they're going to the PhDs and the experts and the godless and the ungodly. And they want you to listen to the enemy who's all of them are underneath the sway of the wicked one. They're not repenting. They're not bowing down to God. They're not saying, hey, we went to God and we've torn our clothes and we're repenting because we know that we've kicked God out of our economy. We've kicked God out of our schools. We've kicked God out of our neighborhoods. We're tearing our clothes. No, they're not. This nation's under judgment because they will not. They refuse to. And God is bringing and allowing this. God allowed Assyria. You'll see it in the text. God raises up. God knocks down. God makes people stand. It's God's sovereignty. He brings the enemy. He brings the pain. He brings the heartache through some enemy. He doesn't tempt you with evil, but he'll allow that enemy to come to show you your heart and see whether you'll go into the temple. Are you going to go pray? Are you going to run for physical help? Are you going to run for the physical battle? Are you going to try to fight somebody and hit somebody and grab somebody and go out in the streets and riot? Or are you going to go to God? Listen, we need to wake up to what God is doing. He loves us. He's burning out the dross. He's showing us our hearts clearly by what we turn to when we don't like what's going on. Where do you turn when the enemy attacks? God's allowing him to. Don't you go to the one that can control the enemy? The one who created the enemy. Run to God. I remember being in prison and I was like doing something and I heard all this. I go, what are you guys doing over here? And they had candles lit and they're worshiping Satan. I go, why in the world do you want to worship the loser for? What's wrong with you people? And they go, their heads, and they go, that's, what do you, what do you? I go, if you believe in him, you know that God defeated him. He's the loser. Why would you want to worship the loser? Melvin, uh, Melvin Bates, I can tell you his name. He came to me later and goes, that was weird. I never thought of that before. He was leading all of them, and he's leading them to worship a loser. I remember his name to this day. It's been 30 years ago. And I wasn't serving God, but God can use a fool. Who are you serving? Who are you going to when the enemy attacks? How can you get past one verse? I mean, come on. I'm going to do this whole chapter. So what happens? Verse 2. Then he sent Elikim. Do we have their names? 
Elikim means God of raising or God raises. God sets up. Listen, God sets up the enemy to attack. And if you go into the temple, he'll send somebody. He'll raise up somebody to help. Here's the king sending somebody who was over his household. Was Jesus over his household? Shibna, the scribe, means growth, vigor, grow. And the elders of the priest, covered with sackcloth. They're all covered. Who's your covering? Humility? That's what this is talking about. Are you covered with humility? Because if you humble yourself, God will lift you up. If you go into the house of God and you humble yourself and pray, God will lift you up. God already has a sovereign plan for your life, for my life, for all of the church, for his bride. He knows those who have come to him. He doesn't learn anything. But we have to humble ourselves. All of us. I'm preaching to myself. I'm just looking at the words and reading them and talking right now with the Holy Spirit. God is raising up. He wants to bring growth. He wants to give you vigor and strength. Where did he send them to? Oh, King Hezekiah. He sent what God has set up so you can grow and be covered to who? To who? Isaiah. Jehovah has saved. Yah has saved. That's what Isaiah means. But what does that represent? He's the prophet. So the prophet is where the word of God came from. Remember that Hebrews 1.1 in past times in divers manners, God spoke to the prophets, but in these last days, he speaks to his son, Jesus, who he's made heir of all things. Listen, so he sends them to the word of God. Where do you go? Look, you got prayer, you got the word. They're all in fellowship together. And when they agree together, there's going to be great strength. Because that's what the body of Christ should be doing. Getting into the word. He sends them to the word of God. Where do you go for help? Listen, the word of God has everything we need for our help. If we allow the spirit of God to lead us into all truth, we will worship the Father properly. Or yet lest we make up some religion. He's the son of Amos, which means strong. When you go to the word of God, you're going to be strong. Oh, where? Oh, oh, uh, stand therefore. Stand where? In the power of the Lord and his might. That's what Ephesians tells us. You're going to be strong because he is strong. He's the strong man. Where are we at? Verse 3. They go to the word of God and they speak to the word of God, the prophet of God. And what they say? The king said, thus says uh, 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 Hezekiah, Jehovah is my strength. This day is a day of trouble and rebuke and blasphemy. For who? For the children have come to birth but there is no strength to bring them forth. Now, this is pretty amazing, isn't it? Who? The children of God. The children of Judah. The children that are right there in Jerusalem. Listen, they have come to birth. They want to be free. They don't want to be led by the enemy. They want to, to become children of God. They want to hear the voice of God. They want to follow God. Unless you come to him as children, you're not going to be God's. 
You've got to come back and say, I did, all of this I've been listening to is lies. The whole world's ready to sway the weak one. You've got to come to this understanding. Listen, the children have come to birth, but there's no strength to bring them forth. Who will save them? <clears throat> Listen, and this, is, this means disaster when you look at it. But, but doesn't the New Testament talk about this also? Birth pangs? My brain's going to pop. Um, because if there's no strength to push the baby out, then the mother and the baby might die. Right? And so this is what they're saying, is that the children want to be free, but we have no strength to be free. And Jesus is the only one that can save us. Coming to God is the only way to be saved. And they go to the word of God for that strength to be strong. They come to the son of Amos, which is strong. They come to the word of God for wisdom so they can have the strength to grow as children and be birthed into new life. God will bring you forth. Listen to me. He started a work in you, he'll complete it. You just got to trust him. It may be that the Lord your God, listen, this is the message that he's given them. It may be that the Lord your God will hear all the words of Rabshakeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to reproach the living God and will rebuke the words which the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. Now listen, do you hear his heart? I believe, but help my unbelief. King Hezekiah started reforms. King Hezekiah wants to trust in the Lord. His very name means Jehovah is my strength. It, but he knows that this is in the sovereignty of God. And he sees that the northern tribes have just been carried away. And he knows that God would be right if they were carried away because they're sinners also. And they have rebelled against God. And they have married into the northern tribes so he says it may well be that God would hear their words and allow this to happen. Therefore, he's asking the prophet Isaiah to pray for who the remnant that is left. Why is there a remnant left? If you remember, where was it? Verse 13. Where was it? Oh, here it is. And in the 1813, in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, that's who it is, not Sargon. Sargon came later. King of Assyria came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. So did he take some of the people? And now we're going to pray for the remnant? And there's always a remnant. God's always got a remnant. There's a remnant today. Today, if you'll hear his voice and you do not harden your heart, so he asked Isaiah to pray for the remnant that is left. And Judah right now is the remnant. But there's also some of them that have been taken. They were in fortified cities. They were trying to be strengthened themselves. They were trying to protect themselves. Hezekiah said, I'm not paying you no more, Sennacherib. I'm not paying you no more. And he attacked. So he said, okay, I'll pay you some more. But then he said, I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going back into the temple. I'm going to go pray. Where are you going? Where are you going when the enemy comes? Who do you trust in? Verse 5. So the servants of King Hezekiah, that's the uh, three that he sent, Elikum, Shibna, and the priest, 
came to Isaiah. They came to Jehovah has saved. And Isaiah said to them, here's what the word of God said to them. Listen, thus you shall say to your master. He's already ready to speak. The word is waiting to speak. God is waiting to meet with us in his word. The word's already spoken. He has nothing new to say. In fact, if it's new, it's not from God. And if it's from God, it's not new. God has already spoken. It's finished. Thus you shall say to your master, go tell Hezekiah, thus says the Lord. This is what God said. This is what the word says. Do not be afraid. Does that remind you of Jesus? Do not be afraid of the words which you have heard. Don't be afraid of their lies which, with which the servant of the king of Assyria has blasphemed me. See, God knows they're blaspheming him. God knows they said, oh, the Lord can't save you. Don't listen to Hezekiah the king. Surely I will send a spirit upon him and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. That's interesting, isn't it? In fact, in fact, uh, the, the King James note says, I will put another spirit in him, is what the King James note says. <coughs> and God promises him that no harm will come to those who praise God. Judah. Those who praise him. No harm will come to them. Oh, it's not because of who they are. It's because of who God is. And we'll see that in his explanation when he speaks here and answers what Hezekiah is doing. But are you going to the temple to pray? That's your heart. Are you going inside? Are you saying, here I am, Lord, to meet with you? Because he's, he's there waiting to do home makeover. He's wanting to meet with you. He's wanting to talk and reason. Though your sins were as scarlet, they can be white as snow. He said, I will put a spirit in him, and he shall hear a rumor. What's the rumor uh, that, that, that the king is over here fighting against Egypt? Oh, they're fighting against each other? See, the Egypt is a, is a type of the world to us, right? Remember, Egypt is a type of the world, and Pharaoh is a type of the devil? Well, he's put a rumor, and they're over there fighting against each other. We see them fighting against each other. The whole world is pitted against each other. The church ought not to enter into that physical battle. We fight a spiritual battle. We stand. That's how we fight. We don't have to fight in this battle, but we stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. All we're doing is speaking truth. And part of truth is, is not listening to the lies of the enemy and answering them. I don't even have to answer them lies. You know what? That was pure stupidity. I'm not even going to answer you. What I'm going to do is answer you according to your folly. I'm going to tell you the truth of God's word. What's it say? What's that verse? Proverbs. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. And then it says right afterward, answer a fool according to his folly, yeah. unless he be wise in his own eyes. You don't, you don't enter in and, 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 and wrangle with him on his territory of earthly, sinful, demonic wisdom and answer him. What you do is, is though you got to answer him because you don't want him to think he's wise if you just shut up. So you answer him according to God's word and you tell him the truth so that he doesn't stay thinking that he's wise in his folly. That's what the church is called to do. Oh, you think you're so wise, you got a PhD, permanent head damage? Listen, if you don't listen to God, you're going to hell. I don't care what you got on this planet. If you don't believe in Jesus, that's your only way. You're not taking none of that with you. Where am I at? 
He says, he's gonna, and he's going to return to his own land, and I will cause him. See who's doing it? See who's in control? God's in control. God's going to cause him to fall by the sword in his own land back in Syria. People rise and fall where God wants them to. Listen, it's not a mistake that we're sitting here tonight. God knows where we're at. God loves us. God wants us to hear truth. God wants us to wake up, arise from our sleep, and he'll give us light. And then you see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And then find out what the will of the Lord is. Be always be being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Then the Rabshakeh returned. Oh, what do you mean? Oh, he heard the rumor. See, everything that God says will happen. This is what the word of God said would happen. And then instantly, verse 8, new beginning. We got a new beginning going on here. Oh, what was 7? Sword, completion, word of God. That's how the enemy falls, is when you take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and you cross blades, and you know the truth, then the, then the lie falls. And that's how God causes him to fall. Then the Rabshakeh returned and found the king of Assyria warred against Libna. So he hears this. He returns. He sees him fighting against Libna. Which means pavement. That's pretty funny. For he heard that he had departed from Lachish, which means invincible. And the king heard concerning Tirhaka, king of Ethiopia. Now, this is predating. He's not really king right now. He's just the prince. If you look this, search this out. Tirhaka um, means the pious waiter. He searched out, and he's the pious waiter. But he's prince right now. He's waiting to be king. But they write him down as king, even though he's really not right now. Um, Look, he has come out to make war with you. So he again, so the king of Assyria again, look, he sent messengers to Hezekiah saying, he sends some more messengers back. See, there's war going on everywhere. Some people are falling. Some people are listening. Some are standing. Thus you shall speak to Hezekiah. This is what he told the messengers again. King of Judah, king of praise, saying, do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you, saying, Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of Syria. Look, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the lands, utterly destroying them, and shall you be delivered? Listen to this. You know what delivered is? <coughs> to snatch away. To rapture. Listen, there's a lot of people preaching against the rapture now. Saying it doesn't really happen. Listen, shall you escape? Shall you be plucked out? Shall you be taken out? Shall you be snatched away? Enemies coming. The messengers are coming again to threaten and attack. That's what we see rising. 
And then he wants to give us his testimony. Look, you have heard, verse 11, what the kings of Assyria have done to all the lands by utterly destroying them, and shall you be snatched out? Have the gods of the nations delivered those whom my fathers have destroyed? Gozen, Haran, Rezephon, uh, the people of Eden. Eden actually means uh, pleasure. Telazar, which means region of Assyria. Hamoth, walled city. The kings of Arpad spread out. Separium means dual or Cyprus. There's some strange things that they mean here. Henna means troubling and Iva means ruin. So he gives this testimony of what the enemy has done is destroying all these people. That can seem powerful. When an army comes like that and they're telling you, and a second time he's saying, you can't survive. Don't trust your God. It's not going to happen. I've destroyed everybody. Pretty powerful, huh? You want to believe the enemy? They want to fight with fear and lies. And what you need to say is, have you heard what my God does? Have you heard who my God is? Notice it was a letter with the messengers. Because it says in verse 14, Hezekiah received a letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. Notice where Hezekiah is going. He's trusting in the Lord. Listen, where are you going? Who are you trusting in when the enemy comes to attack? Hezekiah goes right back to the same place, but he's more diligent this time even. Watch what he does. He spreads this letter out before the Lord. <coughs> 15, then Hezekiah prayed <coughs> before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, those governed by God, the one who dwells between the cherubim. See, he's talking about where the presence of God is. You remember the Ark of the Covenant? You have the, the, the two golden cherubim on there. Their wings almost touch. The cherubs. First time you see this is like in Genesis 3.24 where the cherubs guard the Garden of Eden so that nobody can get back into the tree of life. When God tells Adam and Eve to leave, he's protecting us. It's his mercy. It's his grace. This is where, and he knows his God. Hezekiah knows who he's talking to. You are God. No, oh, wait a minute. You alone? Come on now. Come on, people. You are God, you alone. There's only one true God of all the kingdoms of the earth. You see, he's reminding himself as he prays, who I'm praying to, spirit and truth. You have made the heavens and the earth. You're the creator of the heavens and earth. And he says in 16, incline your ear, O Lord. Hear me. Open your eyes. See and hear the words of Sennacherib which he has sent to reproach the living God. It's not against Hezekiah. See, he sees the battle's not against him. It's against God. He says, you're attacking God's people. He understands. Listen, you've been bought by the blood of Christ. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard. You belong to Christ. You're the bride of Christ. And the enemy is attacking his bride. God's going to defend you if you'll just stand and you'll bow down and you'll lay it out before the Lord. 
This is powerful stuff here. But he knows his God. He knows what's going on. He knows the battle is against God. It's against truth. That's what death culture is against. This conspiracy that's been going on since the garden is against God. Why do you think there's so much attack against anybody that speaks truth? And they go, that's a conspiracy theory. Because there's this great big conspiracy against God. That the devil is trying to bring. But the reproach. The attack, the blasphemy is against the living God. He's alive. Now, this is a definite article. The is Elohim. Living is Hey, H-A-Y in the Hebrew. And then God is Elohim. Both times. The definite article is the. So he's making sure you know that he's alive, living, but it's Elohim, Hey, Elohim. Plural. El is God. L-O is dual God. Elohim is triune God. We serve the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit three in one. Not three gods. One God in three persons. Don't know how it works. Don't understand it. But I like it. Because the Father is in heaven. And the Spirit is in me. And His Son died for me. And He gave me an example of what to follow. So it's a definite article. Elohim Hey, Elohim. That was not in Hebrew tongue, but it was the words. <clears throat> it sounds much different. Seventeen. Truly, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and the lands. Now notice that. It's true. And this is what the devil always does. He'll bring truth, but then it's cloaked with a lie. He gives you a 99% truth with a lie. He really has. Assyria has attacked and destroyed all those people, taking them captive. That is true. But what was the testimony? And their gods could not save them. Look what, look what Hezekiah who knows the truth that there's no other gods. He's talking to the living God. He says, this is true what they've done in the land. 18, and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were no gods, but the work of men's hands. Wood and stone. Therefore, they destroyed them. Listen, Satan is mighty, but God is almighty. Satan can use nations to attack. Satan can bring lies but God is almighty. Always run back to truth. Always run back in prayer to God. Find out what the truth is. It looks true, but it's not true. It looks like you're going to be destroyed, but you're not because you know that you belong to God. And, you know, they cut down trees and they start to carve on it. And they go, oh, I'm a little bit hungry. So they take part of the tree and they make a fire and they cook them some food while they keep carving on their God. And they make eyes on it and they can't see. They make ears on it and they can't hear. They put a mouth on it and they can't eat. They give him feet and he can't walk. Because it's not real. And then along comes this king of Assyria and takes their gods and throws them in the fire and burns them up. Because they weren't real. They couldn't protect the God, the true God that created the heavens and the earth. The one who dwells. He lives between the cherubim. He is here to save. If you want to be a child of his, he has the strength. He has the power to deliver you. But you have to let him. 
You can't do it your way. You can't make it up. You can't go halfway. You have to surrender, humble yourself, and come to Him. Now, therefore, O Lord, our God, claiming Him for the nation, I pray, save us from His hand, from His power. All the kingdoms of the earth, or why, why save us? That all the kingdoms of the earth may know the testimony that you are the Lord God, you alone. Notice I added the word testimony. I put that in there because this is the witness we're supposed to have as a people of God. Well, I'm saved because God loves me and he likes me and he knows that I can do these nice stuff. No, we are trophies of grace to give God glory so that all the world will know he's the only true God and the other people will come to salvation. Hezekiah has all this lined up. Hezekiah sees the enemy. What does he do? He turns to God. He goes into the temple. He humbles himself. He tears his clothes. He prays. He sends messengers. He wants to know what the word of God says. What do we do when the enemy attacks? And when we pray, God always answers. We're going to move through it quickly. Four hours. Then Isaiah... Jehovah has saved the son of Amos strong said to Hezekiah Jehovah is my strength thus says the Lord God of Israel God's going to speak listen here comes his word this is what he says he's going to answer Hezekiah's prayer because you have prayed to me oh there's what because you have prayed to me, and it's against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. See, because God's against him. And when you pray according to God's will, he'll always hear you. God's against this enemy. God's against this, this kingdom. God's against them attacking his people. And so he's privileged to be able to come to God and pray not to get out of his trouble, not to get out of his pain, not to get out of whatever's going on but to align his heart with God. When you pray, you're aligning your heart with what God's already doing. But we've turned it into this credit card. We've turned it into this something else in the church. And then we get mad when God doesn't do what we want, but we're supposed to be following him. We're coming to say, what's going on, Lord? Why is the enemy besieging us? We deserve to die, but what should I do? How do I act? Where do I go? And then he tells us, and we do what he says according to his word. But what we look for is, I don't have a sandwich that I wanted. I got a whole bunch of food over there, but I want a sandwich right here. And I'm praying, Lord, and you're not giving me what I want. No, he's giving you what you need. My God shall supply for all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's not a genie in a bottle. You don't rub his belly and he performs for you. He's the creator of all heaven and earth, and he has saved us. He gives us a privilege to be involved with him, but we need to find out what the plan is. What are you doing? Well, I'm bringing you back into my home. And in my home, you have to follow authority. In my home, you, you were kicked out in the garden because the first Adam didn't protect you. Michael said last week, he, said, he called me when he was talking about it, he goes, Man, he goes, that's amazing. God just showed me that, that the first Adam blamed his wife and the second Adam took the blame for his wife and saved him, saved us. Jesus took the blame for us. 
The first Adam in his selfishness blamed the wife. It's that woman you gave me. But Jesus came and his perfection and his holiness and his purity and he took the blame and protected the bride. Isn't that amazing? That's salvation. But God heard his prayer. Now listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. God was already going to protect Judah because of his word. He made a covenant with David. But Hezekiah, because he lined his heart up with God, he was privileged to be involved in it. He was privileged to be able to be part of it. God's doing, I mean, a lot of what God's doing, he's doing it whether you want to get involved or not. A lot of it is set in stone. It's his will. It's already been written. It can't be changed because he does not lie and he does not change his mind. What are you finding out the will of God? That's what he said. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, finding out what the will of the Lord is. What does his will say? What is he doing? How can you be involved? Why did he save you? It was for his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. That's Ephesians 2.10. This is the word which the Lord has spoken concerning him. Oh, him, Sennacherib. He's the, he's the leader. This is the word that he's spoken concerning the Antichrist, the devil, the one who would lead the world powers, and God allows them to attack his people because he's already prepared his people to deal with it if they're listening to his voice. The virgin, the daughter of Zion, Zion is another word for Jerusalem, has despised you, laughed you to scorn. Really? Guess what? We're betrothed to Christ as virgins, chaste virgins. Not because of who we are. And, and, and these children in Judah, they weren't virgins because of who they were, but because of who God was. God called them that. The daughter of Jerusalem, teaching peace, has shaken her head behind your back. See, Assyria is trying to come and take advantage of a virgin, of God's children, of his peace. And God's not going to stand for it. And he's saying through Isaiah, through the word, this is what I say concerning that nation. Listen to it. Whom have you reproached and blasphemed? Listen, he wants them to take notice. He wants them. This is, we don't know that he ever got this word from Isaiah, too, but we would think that he did. But the nations of the world, listen, to think that they're going to take power, they're going to make their plans against God, God laughs at them. God scorns them. God is letting them do what they want to do until his time when he will stop them. They only get to do what he allows. He's assigned the water boundaries, the ocean's boundaries. People can't do anything. In fact, the only people that are disobeying God is people. Demons and people. Listen to this. Whom have you reproached? He's asking Sennacherib. He's asking the king of Assyria. He would ask the Antichrist. Who are you reproaching and blaspheming with your lies, telling my people that I can't save them? Against whom have you raised your voice? Who are you speaking against? And lifted up your eyes on high like you're somebody against the Holy One of Israel? One world government is against God. It's not against you. See, we sit around, we want to fight this physical battle. This is against God. Death culture is against God. God is the one who brings life. God's the one who saves us. And if you listen to them, you're going to die. 
But if you listen to God, you'll live forever, for eternity. By your messengers, you have reproached the Lord. See, they send this message. They reproach the Lord by saying anything against his virgin, against his children. And said, by the multitude of my chariots. Listen, this is what Assyria is saying. My strength. Some trust in horses and some in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Anytime you see horses and chariots, it's talking about their strength. I have, now watch all the eyes. This is what Assyria is saying. God's saying it to them. And Assyria is saying, I have come up to the heights of the mountains. I've raised up. To the limits of Lebanon, I've raised up. I will cut down its tall cedars. I'm going to take this land. That's I, 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 five times. And its choice cypress trees. I will enter the extremity of its borders to its fruitful forest. I have dug and drink and drunk strange waters. And with the soles of my feet, I have dried up all the brooks of defense. In other words, he's trying to, Assyria is trying to act like they're the sovereign. And that's what the devil wants to do. That's what the Antichrist wants to do. They want you to believe that they have the truth. There's no help coming. And they're the sovereign. And because look what they've done. I've destroyed all the other lands. We've destroyed all the other peoples. Listen, people are giving in to the Antichrist government right now, and they're going, you might as well just give in. Listen, don't give in. Don't give up. Die for your faith. Listen to me. Die literally for your faith. Don't go out. I'm not telling you to go out and fight them. I'm not telling you. I'm just telling you to stand. Just like God said, stand in the victory of Christ. Don't obey the government's command to follow what they're doing for Antichrist government. To take the mark. To worship the beast. Listen. I, 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 I have done this. I have done this. I am the one that's doing this. Now listen to the testimony. Did you not hear long ago how I made it? This is what God's saying to them. How I made it from ancient times that I formed it. Now, I have brought it to pass. He's getting ready to tell them. He's the one allowing them to be the enemy against his people to show their heart. That you should be for crushing fortified cities into heaps of ruins. This is what they're doing. Therefore, their inhabitants had little power. God's the one that takes away power and allows one nation to rise up. They were dismayed and confounded. God's the one that allows you to be in fear. If you're not going to listen to his voice, he will allow you to go into the power of the enemy. He will allow you to be confused. He will allow strong delusion upon you. He'll allow you to believe the lie if you'll not believe the truth. They were as the grass of the field and the green herbs as the grass of the housetops and grain blighted before it is grown. So God's the one that kept the crops from growing. God's the one that wouldn't allow them. God's the one that's allowed Syria to besiege the city. And God's the one that's allowed this government that's going on right now, one world, to attack and besiege the world and control and take power. But they still have limits. And they have time. And then he says to Assyria, verse 27, But I know your dwelling place. You're going out and you're coming in and your rage against me, your blasphemy against me. He knows all the enemy's lies. Because your rage against me and your tumult, tumult 
have come up to my ears. How? Because Hezekiah prayed. Remember he said the report of Sodom and Gomorrah had come up to me? Because people were praying. God already knows, but he wants you to pray. He wants you to articulate. He wants you to speak. He wants you to align your desires with him. And say it to him. And cry out for the lost. Cry out for souls. Cry out for the brokenhearted. He wants you to be a part of this salvation. And since Hezekiah prayed, he come down and he's doing something about it. Therefore, I will put a hook in your nose. He's speaking to Assyria. And my bridle in your lips. Listen, now this is, this is ironic because what did this evil nation do? Assyria? They would put a hook, pierce their nose, and a hook in their lip and lead them away all tied together. That's what they did to the people. They were so mean to them. A lot of times they cut their clothes off too, so they were embarrassed and their privates were showing. And I will turn you back by the way which you came. This is the rumor of war of Egypt. This is what happens. They turn back by the way they came. And then he says to Hezekiah, verse 29, this shall be a sign to you. He gives Hezekiah a sign. You shall eat this year such as grows of itself. Now listen, because they had besieged the city, they couldn't plant crops, so there was no crops. But as soon as they leave, there's going to be crops that grow by themselves because of the previous year. You know, you ever had tomatoes grow up and you go, I didn't plant tomatoes there. And in the second year, what springs up from the same. So two years, God's going to provide for them. And then in the third year, I'm going to allow you to sow and reap, plant your vineyards and eat the fruit of them. This is the sign. God is provision, even though they don't deserve it. And the remnant who have escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant. And those who escape from Mount Zion, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Who's going to do it? Who's involved? God is the one doing this. God's the one that bears fruit. God's the one that's going to bring the Messiah out of Judah. And they're going to bring a remnant who escaped from Mount Zion. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria. Listen to this. He shall not come into this city. Nor shoot an arrow there. Think about that long and hard. Some of the best battles in the Bible, not a person was lost. Thousands of people shooting arrows, and God lost nobody on his side. I can show you some of them later. I love those. I've got them underlined in red. Nor come before it with a shield, nor build a siege mound against it. Think about this. If this word is coming to Hezekiah, it's coming to his people, it's coming to the messengers from Isaiah, from God, through the word of God, and they've seen 185,000 people out there. And he's saying, not one of them are going to move towards you. See, because the enemy can be all about you, but God is in control of the enemy. So you've got to keep your eyes fixed on God. By the way he came, by the same shall he return, and he shall not come into the city says the Lord, for I will defend this city to save it. Why? For his own namesake, for his own honor, for his own glory, and for my servant David's sake, who he promised. There would always be a ruler, and that ruler would come from the tribe of Judah. Look over at Second Chronicles. We're almost done. Second Chronicles 32.20. And this gives us another uh, Second Chronicles 32.20. 
We'll just read a couple verses. We'll come back. We're almost done. Another recording, another testimony. Now, because of this king, Hezekiah, and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, prayed and cried out to heaven. We see that they would come against him. Then the Lord sent an angel who cut down every mighty man of valor, leader and captain in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned shamefaced to his own land. And when he had gone into the temple of his God, some of his own offspring struck him down with a sword there. Thus the Lord saved Hezekiah in the heavens of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all the others, and guided them on every side. Listen, God is protecting us on every side. Our rear guard, the Holy Spirit is with us. God is there. And many brought gifts to the Lord at Jerusalem and the presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was exalted in the sight of all the nations thereafter. It's coming soon. Soon. Now let's just close this out. What he says in 19, I know it's a long message. It's good for us to get some good meals sometimes. And it came to pass. Don't you like it? It came to pass. Exactly what God says will always come to pass. The battle you're fighting today will be over next week if you listen to the voice of the Lord. If you listen to the voice of the Lord, you have wisdom to get through it. You won't have to believe a lie. On a certain night, we know which night that was. God knows which night that was. That the angel can be capital. It could be Jesus. could be a Christophany. Christ in the flesh. One angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of Assyria 185,000. Just one angel. And when the people arose early in the morning, there were the corpses all dead. What people arose? The dead in Christ will rise first, and then those who are alive and remain will meet the Lord in the air, and thus will all be with him. Listen to me. What people rose? The Assyrians did in their own dead. So it's when the God's people got up in the morning, they seen that God had judged them the enemy for lying and blaspheming and attacking and he killed all the enemies of the cross so Sennacherib king of Assyria departed and went away returned home and remained in Nineveh Nineveh was his home city place where Jonah will go later and I totally forgot to look up Nineveh and what it meant. That's pretty crazy, dude. I got with Nishra. Now it came to pass, there it is again, three times, as he was worshiping in the temple of Nirach, his god. Nirach is his god, right? It means a, the great eagle. It's a Babylonian idol. People are serving it today. Babylon rising. Worshiped by Sennacherib, symbolized by the eagle-headed man figure. Where's the eagle at? Where'd you see that last? On the dollar bill? Where'd you see that last? Oh, is that the god of Nishrach? They're all lying to us. Don't believe the liars. They're besieging your city. Now listen, this was 20 years later. They tell us, historians tell us. It looks like it was right then. Listen, God is going to judge one day. 
Just because they seem to be getting away with it today, listen, God's going to judge and kill them. He's going to kill all of them that don't come to his son Jesus. They're going to die. It came to pass as he's worshiping his God in Israel that his sons, Adramelech and Sherezer, struck him down with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Ararat. Or Armenia. You know what that means? The curse reversed. Ararat means the curse reversed. Then Eshardan, his son, reigned in his place. Asher has given a brother. That's what Eshardan means. Sherazar, what's it, where's that at? Sherazar struck him down. That one means prince of fire. Edremelech means Adar is prince, means splendor of the king. See, you can think that he thought he was getting away with what he was doing. He thought, man, my plan is coming together, and then one day he's sitting there worshiping Nisroch. And they actually say, now I'm just telling you what I read as historians said, that literally, that he began to study and learn and knew that God was going to give his son, this listen, that, and he studied and became a fan of Abraham through that, and he knew that Abraham was sacrificing his son, and that's where Israel got their power from, Judah got their power from. So he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sacrifice my sons, two of them, instead of one, as Abraham was going to sacrifice one. This is what I read that the historians say, that they passed down over years, and he went into the temple and was going to sacrifice both his sons, and his sons were under the plan and killed him instead. I'm just telling you, I, I throw it out, you throw it out because it's speculation, it's hearsay, it's not the Bible. So I'm just telling you that he was trying to gain strength like happened when he seen the testimony of what God did for Hezekiah because he prayed. When he said, God is my strength and I'm going to pray. Listen, that's where your strength comes from is when you pray. When you come before God, you're dependent upon God. The strength comes in aligning your life with God's plan of what he's doing in salvation and deliverance back into his family. Deliverance from the sin nature. Giving you a new heart. Align your life with what God's doing and he will be your strength. Continue to align your life with what self or Satan and sin is doing and you will die in your sins. That simple. Because there's evidence of the Spirit of God who is aligning and washing and cleansing and making your desires the same as God's desires. Because you're in the family of God. This is God's plan for the sin nature. You're never going to obey God's authority unless you humble yourself. There's nothing in you that wants to do it except for God. You have to humble yourself and be led by the Spirit of God for the glory of God. Listen, I like to say this. One person has said this. When the man of God looks into the Word of God, and you see the Son of God, you're looking for Jesus, who perfectly obeyed God, you're transformed by the Spirit of God into the image of God for the glory of God. Let me say it again for you, and we'll close in prayer. When the child of God looks into the Word of God and sees the Son of God, He's transformed by the Spirit of God into the image of God for the glory of God. That's what it said right here in this text. 
Isn't that what it said? Listen. Now, therefore, O Lord our God, I pray, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, you alone, for the glory of God. That's why we are in the word of God. That's why we dig out the nuggets. That's why we want to hear his voice. That's why we come for salvation. We didn't come to escape hell. We came to be part and privilege of the kingdom of God. And enjoy, enjoy glorifying him by being trophies of grace. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you've hidden such beautiful nuggets that we can't exhaust, we can't even see, Lord. Grow us up in the most holy of faith and help us to be able to chew on the meat of your word that we would not stay on milk and be lost and miss such a great glorious privilege of glorifying you. Pour out your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Did you get the memory verse then, Pastor Greg? <laughs>